On this episode of Atomic Moms, we talk travel. How the baby is a talking stick. (laughs) We talk about depression. (laughs) Lots of deep, dark depression. Oh, and anxiety too. And friends and friendships and how to keep them. And um, what else do we talk about? I don't know. Let's find out. Guys, we're so glad to be back. seen you forever you haven't i've missed you it's atomic moms we're back 2015 it's a brand new year i did not make a new year's resolution i did did you well i'm always trying to fix myself right so (laughs) mine (laughs) my new year's resolution yeah is to choose love now that feels really silly maybe it does but i feel like i'm always like trying to figure out if like what's the right decision so maybe it's easier if i'm like i'm gonna choose love Like, if we're going to fix something with our backyard, I'm going to choose the simple version because I'm going to choose love, which means, like, not putting as much stress on my marriage. And yourself. And myself. Ellie, that's gorgeous. Like, I'm really proud of you for that. That's, like, the best New Year's resolution I think I've heard. Aw. I chose not to do one because I feel like... It's always something that uh, – okay, I guess maybe I do have a New Year's resolution because essentially my my approach is going to be not to do things for temporary results, which I feel like every time I decide to eat better or try a new workout thing or do something, it's like I'll do it for that time. But then when it ends, like like if I – before the new year, my husband and I did this 21-day – not detox, but like eating really well. And, and day 22, I lost my crap and absolutely went head over heels nutso with chocolate and candy and donuts and – pizza and you're lighting up <laughs> it was so good um but you know what i mean it's like it, there's always i feel like a, a reaction on the flip side that's um that t- is so counterproductive to whatever i just did that it's, it seems pointless to kind of say like oh now i'm going to come back and do this you know insane intense detox program i just want to do things to as a lifestyle choice yeah. to do it to implement to be always and forever and yeah i mean you're not going to be perfect no, but you want to find the middle ground. The middle ground and to do things because I, I genuinely genuinely want to bring them into my life as a practice as opposed to just doing it, you know, for this set amount of time. Right. Um, that's why yours is so good because it really is. That's a, that's a lifestyle choice. And, and it's not even just for yourself. It's for all everybody around you. Yeah. So great. What would you guys do for New Year's? Oh, we went to a really fun um, kid party. Uh, someone, my husband has a friend um, who threw a party for all these little kids. So the ball dropped at six o'clock instead of midnight. And Aww. we brought Sabrina. And then they actually had balloons that they had like taped with trash bags up to the ceiling so that the ball, the balloons could drop that at six is o'clock. So cute. I it love was so that. sweet and so fun. Except that they so they did a countdown. They found a thing on Netflix or YouTube, and so it was like a fake countdown, right? And all these little kids, these toddlers, like they all run to their dads. Like Sabrina ran to her daddy. He picked her up, and they had the like five, four, three, two, one, Happy New Year. And I just sat on the couch and watched them, <laughs> and I felt like my daughter cheated on me with her dad. Like, and it really was lame. Like, it was super lame. I was like, I spent all year with you, and now you're going to go kiss somebody else? <laughs> did you Did you get, like, upset? Did you actually, uh, yeah. like, did you tell Adam about it? No, I told the mom sitting next to me, who was also <laughs> watching her children hug their father. Really? Yeah. Well, the dads are super fun. I mean, I'm super fun, but um, maybe Even the boys? Taller. Oh, yeah. They were, it seemed like it was all dads. Like, it's kind of scaring me that this is what I have to look forward to. It's lame. Like, she's going to choose. That's why she needs to marry a nice Jewish man so I get to walk down the aisle, too. Because I am not (laughs) interested. I love that. I love that both parents get to walk the daughter down the aisle. Like, I'm not interested in just, like, going down the aisle at the beginning and, like, finding my seat by myself and letting Adam take the spotlight. Yeah, but you know what? Soon, and I mean, I'm just 
saying this based on like what I've witnessed. I certainly haven't experienced this yet myself, but like soon you're going to have all the great stuff. Like you're going to get to go with her to the nail salon and get your nails done, you know, and, and what you don't like. You're, I'm like, not, yeah, I guess that's a consolation. I want someone to kiss on New Year's though. <laughs> like, but guess, no, I like your refrain. If this. I was there, I would have kissed you at least. Oh, yay. What did much, you do? Much to my husband's excitement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were in Puerto Rico. We were we were in old San Juan for Christmas and then we flew on the world's smallest airplane to Vieques Island and we were um, there uh, at the W Hotel and I have to tell you, a beautiful resort, beautiful island, the airplane ride scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, my daughter, my nine-month-old daughter loved it, like hands in the air screaming with was there joy. No, it was just like she could see everything around her and I she just loved it. And the I was the plane or the okay the, the experience okay. of the plane. Of the plane. Yeah. And then um and then we took her into the ocean. I mean she was obviously we live in Venice Beach. She's been to the beach, but like she went into the warm, you know, crystal blue waters. Mm-hmm. And I think that she might have been a mermaid in a former life because it was like a return to something that was so like she sat on the beach again with her arms in the air, like Whoa! No, the photos on Instagram are amazing. Like, if you really are having a bad day and you want to make it worse, go to Bianca's Instagram and see the most beautiful photos you've ever seen. They, um, because the picture with her and Mike, and she's on his shoulder. They have I mean, such a special relationship. I mean, they're they are very much like – I feel like her and I have this um, – you know, we speak to each other. Obviously, she doesn't talk yet, but we we babble and, you know, we have excitement. And those two, they just like quiet, like she'll lay on his mm-hmm. chest and she's just safe with him. And um, and it's so it's so amazing to witness. But she really became like a person this vacation, like her personality came out. And um, so then on so New Year's Eve, they had a big party. And this was kind of like the the like for me, the introduction to, oh, this is my new life. Um, because they had a tw- 1920s inspired New Year's Eve party in the lobby and I was so excited and I was like well we're probably not going to get to spend that much time there but she usually wakes up around 11 so let's just haul her up there really quick bring in the new year so she wakes up at 11 at night yeah well she was down there because her right. time was all no, screwy it was four hours ahead and um, <laughs> what, uh, she doesn't sleep well anyway anywhere <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know it seemed like it was a little worse there Um but like we got up there and I wanted to get a glass of wine and she was like so distracted by all the lights and the people dancing and it was it was too much for her. Um, and I was like kind of disappointed because I, you know, I'm a party person and I wanted to be there with everyone dancing. I really love Maggie just, was just killing the vibe. She was killing the vibe. <laughs> I just wanted to dance, man. Yeah. And um, but we went back to our room and um we were like, oh, let's just call, we'll call in bed and see if she'll fall asleep with us. And uh, these huge fireworks were going off outside. And I just had this moment of like, oh my God, it doesn't matter. Like none of it matters because we're all just the three of us here in this bed cuddled up together and we can see kind of like the lights ricocheting off from like outside. We couldn't see the actual Amazing. fireworks. And I and I just thought there's no other way. Like it, I feel like as a parent, there are some things that you think like, oh, I would much rather be doing that, right? I would have much rather thought be at the party. Mm-hmm. But then when it came down to it and we were just in the bed together, I was just like, no, oh, but I, so nice. they just want to be here. This yes. is, this is the best possible way. And I didn't even, couldn't even have thought of it myself to just be in bed together as we went into the new year. So it was great. That's so much better. I mean, I feel like new year's had, well, it's kind of nice having a kid because you get out of the pressure of new year's. Like, you know, it's not going to be that great because yeah. you have a kid, <laughs> but, but years before I would always be like, this is going to be a fantastic, best new year's ever. And then I just end up drunk and not being able to get a cab and usually in a fight with my husband because of expectations or you know what I mean like it's just never as good as um so it's so sweet that you guys were just like cuddled up in bed and you had a fireworks show we had a fireworks show we did we had like a secondary fireworks show it was just like the splattering of Mm -hmm. the light um which my husband says that fireworks are the second worst form of entertainment um next to parades so he didn't really care anyway (laughs) Um, but the whole trip was amazing. However, uh, vacation is no longer vacation, correct? Like, no, it was it's the- horrible. I don't know how you do it. I mean, we we traveled so much the first six months of Sabrina's life, and then at a when she hit a year, and I stopped nursing, and I got some energy back. 
that's when I was like, oh, I'm never going to travel again because I feel like I have some little semblance of uh, a normal life again. And so I'm always amazed how you hit the road constantly. Like you've went to Nashville, you to New York. I love traveling. I mean, it's it is just so in my blood. I just adore it. I adore going to a new place and finding little restaurants or little shops or, you know, figuring out some hike to go on or whatever. I mean, and and almost as much as being there and doing it, I love research, researching to find where yeah. we're going to go and the hotel and all yeah, of that. Yeah, I love that. the fantasy of it for sure. Yeah. Is Mike a good traveler? Uh, he wasn't. When we initially met, he he did, he loved traveling, but I think that his previous experiences when he was in his first marriage were not great ones with, with travel. So I was like, well, you haven't traveled with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so he has become... He, he loves more of kind of the urban, so like Paris was an amazing trip um, oh. that he loved. But now he's starting to surf, so actually I, I think it's going to come back around my way because I love the beach vacations. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam and it, does not. Who, Adam, Adam doesn't? doesn't? Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for when Sabrina's older and she and I can go on trips you, together <sighs> because he d- hates traveling. He Dude, you, very, me, and Maggie and Sabrina yeah. will go. We'll hit the town. I love it. Um, yeah, so it was it was an exhausting trip because we were with her 24-7. And you and were gone for weeks. Two weeks, yeah. You, but see, maybe that's where co-sleeping helps. Yes. Because if I had to shove a pack and play in a hotel bathroom for Sabrina to sleep in because like there's no way she'd sleep in the same room as us there's uh, yeah. no way well the and the first hotel we stayed in was this teeny tiny little room so we, we had to be really quiet and like every noise we're like oh my god she's gonna wake up um but then the second hotel that we stayed on on the island of Viejas was we had a separate room um but you know one of the great things I have to say about traveling with a child you meet so many people because people are people want to come up and talk to you yeah. I mean I made so many friends on this trip I have you know there was a a family who had triplets actually I was thinking we should have her on the show Um, she was awesome and she lives uh, in Redondo Beach and um, I met people from all over and and even people who didn't have kids because people are so much more comfortable approaching you because they want to talk about your child I heard such lovely stories about people's lives and it just made me realize like just you know I'm sorry to be cheesy but life is awesome like people (laughs) people have such amazing stories even when they're hard stories to hear people have amazing stories and I feel like sometimes we get so encased in our own little bubble of drama that we don't kind of venture out and realize um how much color and life there is to to learn about I completely agree um I remember being nervous before I got pregnant that once I had a baby that no one would have anything to talk to me about and then I had Sabrina or when I got pregnant then everyone has so many stories about how they were up all night or what you know what crazy things their parents told them to do or it's just such a good way um of relating to people on like a more human level and and commiserating is just great Anyway, and it reminded me of I, when I had surgery a few years ago, I ended up walking with a cane and it felt like my cane was a talking stick <laughs> because it's so weird. Because like the second you're sitting like down with a cane, I don't know, it made me um, more approachable, I guess. Yeah. Or people want to talk about their issues or what's going on. And so I feel like babies are also kind of like talking sticks. <laughs> They're totally talking sticks. That <laughs> is. No sense, <laughs> Canes but are like it is. Babies are, I don't know. Yeah. I had a baby so that I could get more popular. <laughs> well, sometimes it's awkward too with strangers. You know, you don't, you don't, can't necessarily launch into something. And like on the, on the flight back, there was a gentleman sitting next to me. Mike and I were across the aisle from each other, um, which actually was nice because then when you didn't have the baby, you really didn't have the baby. Um, you got to like watch a little bit of movie. I watched Still Magnolias, by the way. Oh, um, Mama, I want a child. I bought like <laughs> like I mean, I played Shelby. Everyone's played Shelby. I swear, I feel like everyone blondes. I've talked to. Yeah, <laughs> it still holds up that movie. I mean, it's, oh, it's so good. It's it's just I don't know. I when she when she passes away, I just Spoiler lost alert. it. Yeah, lost it. Um, anyway, the gentleman I was sitting next to, he started talking to me about his kids who are grown in their twenties, and he was going to meet them. Uh, for vacation, and he was his son had dropped out of college and hadn't told him yet and he was like you know look I don't care so he knows but he knows but he's his son yeah the son didn't tell him he must have found out from one of the other kids or something and uh he's just like it bothered him more we got into a deep discussion about it and he's like it bothered him more that the son didn't tell him than it was the fact that he 
dropped out of college because he was like, look, I'm, I've always told them you need to do what your passion is. Uh, there's no good for you doing a job that you hate. I think that's the, one of the worst things in the world is to have to work at something you don't love. And uh, we kept talking, talking, talking. And finally, I was like, well, I dropped out of college. And he was like, really? I said, yeah. And I said, and I think I'm doing okay. And he said, I think you're perp- my, it was, you were purposely put next to me on this flight so that you could reassure <gasps> me about this with my son. And I just thought like, ah, I love these interactions when you have them with humans. So amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, it was really sweet. So you didn't go back? I did not go back to college, no. No, I dropped out. I had a mental breakdown. I officially had a mental breakdown. I, I actually uh, ended up cutting myself, and it's a whole no- – maybe, maybe – you know what? Why don't we take a break? I can tell that story, and we can launch into some other delicious things. Okay, we're back. Before we launch into the <laughs> sob story that is my <laughs> dropping out college dropout experience, um, I just want to say, uh, please, people, reach out to us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, even on Instagram. Um, we love to hear what you think, your comments. Um, yeah, we right are, on the wall. Yeah, right Give on the wall. Give us questions. Questions. We'll answer whatever. At Atomic Moms is our Instagram and our Twitter and Atomic Moms on Facebook. Um, we promise one of our resolutions in the new year, even though I didn't even discuss this with you, is that we're going to be a little bit better at posting stuff. I'm just terrible. I, I, I don't have enough time. Uh, so I'm trying to be better about that. You're looking at me. With no, because I was deciding whether or not to say you don't have enough time and I'm self-conscious. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, anyway, I don't want to make a big thing about this story, but I, but I do think it's important because I think that there, you know, I feel like mental health is a taboo subject. A lot, not enough people talk about it. And I know when I went through my experience, all I wanted is somebody, I wanted to read or hear somebody talk about it and say, everything's going to be okay. So this is me saying everything is going to be okay. I have struggled uh, with horrible anxiety and depression, um, previously previously in my life and it started in college um and I uh ended up cutting myself and having to drop out of college my parents had to come rescue me um and I just was drinking too much and kind of being irresponsible and I think a lot of the pressures of not knowing what to do with myself not knowing where or what I wanted to do with my life um and uh you know I um I think that that has all – I have no regrets about any of that time because it led me to a, a, an intense road of kind of self-discovery and it made me the seeker that I am. Um, and um, and I think that, you know, in my darkest moments, I always knew that I was going to pull myself out of it, you know, that that I, that I knew that I had it within me to pull myself out of it. And I, I guess I just want to say that to anybody who's – dealing with anxiety and depression and certainly shoot doing it as a parent um you know just know that you do have that place within you that is strong enough to to get out of it you just need to find someone to talk to about it a great therapist there are a lot of bad therapists out there and so if you find someone that you don't click with don't think that that's the end of the line and they're also like boring therapists that's the other thing it's like some are bad and then some are just like you don't get your groove on. Yeah. And I would say like the main, the main kind of uh, uh, points to look for in somebody who would be a quote unquote good therapist for you would be somebody that makes you think about things differently. Somebody that, that helps you change your viewpoint on stuff. If you're with someone that just constantly kind of lets you blabber on and on and on, that's not the right person. You need someone that you should leave. Sometimes you should leave your therapy session feeling worse than when you walked in. And that's a good thing because that means that it's stirred up some stuff. Um, you know, that is, that is going to make a difference. It's like, it's like working out, you know, it's like when you go in and you lift weights, you got to tear that muscle to build up new muscle. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with therapy mm-hmm. is that you got to go in there and you got to dig some gross muck up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I can say that I have, I really feel, um, gosh, a thousand times better than I, than I did in my twenties. And, um, I thought I was going to go through horrible pars- postpartum depression after I had a kid. Cause I just figured that's my makeup of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And I felt, I have felt awesome, the best, the best that I've felt in my entire life uh, after having a kid. Um, So, you know. Is there anything that you would wish you could say to yourself in college? 
or or if you had been your parents like is there something that like if you had a child in college who was you know experiencing this that's a better question not yeah. what, not what would yeah. you say to yourself but what would I what, say to if, my, if, magnolia. If, Sabrina, if magnolia were having a terrible or if it's not as personal as your own child like yeah. if, it's, if sabrina's having a really difficult time in college what what would you say to me if i came to you with that Wow. Um, I'm trying to think of like the things that really led to that. But I, I think I was so scared of, um, that I was a bad person, you know, Mm -hmm. that I, I felt like I was making all these mistakes. Um, and I felt like I felt, felt very lost. You know, I felt like nobody would ever really understand me. Um, and so I would just say that, you know, if I was talking to somebody whose kid was going through all of this is to just really be there for your, to be there for your kid, to let them know that, um, that they can't do anything wrong, that they can never do anything that would, that would disappoint you. I was so terrified of disappointing my parents. And, and here's the thing, my parents did an awesome job with me. I mean, I dropped out, I came home, they were so supportive and they, they did, um, they allowed me to, for me, the thing was, is I wasn't pursuing my dream. I wanted to be an actress and I didn't know that that's what I wanted to be because I was, um, I just didn't realize, I didn't think that that was a realistic thing for somebody to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had, I was the daughter of two people in the medical profession. Like mm-hmm. it just didn't make sense that someone would go and act for a living. Um, so I was, I was living a lie. I was trying to do stuff that just didn't feel right. Didn't do feel like think, it fit. Okay. With that really quickly though, yeah. do you think, I mean, a lot of people are actors who go, go to college for four years first. They like, yeah. they just like, was it the wrong place or is it because you just knew that you needed to start acting? Well, it would have been different if I had known that this is really what I wanted to do. And then I had gone to like a theater college or right. something where a performing arts college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just went and did something cause like my parents were like, Oh, you probably be good at like broadcast journalism or something. And so I was like, right. okay. So I went and then, and then I, there was, you know, uh, stuff on top of that. Like right. I drank too much and I, um, I had been such a good girl. I was like mm-hmm. the I was the girl who sat at home on Friday and Saturday nights and watched movies with my parents and read a lot and um, and I just was a wild child when I when I went for college. I just I just really went out of control and I I was experimenting with drugs, um, not anything crazy, but you know like pot, I did some mushrooms and I, and I had a really really bad experience on ecstasy and I think that kind of opened the door was the catalyst for the anxiety to come in. It mm-hmm. runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just was really unhappy with myself. I just felt like I was a bad person and I, I can't really explain that. I don't know. No, I think a lot of people have self-loathing. Yeah. It's funny that you work with so many comics on Undeemable because (laughs) it feels like that's such a big thing. Yeah. Especially with, I mean, entertainers in general, um, I think that self-acceptance is a pretty difficult thing. And that's probably why everyone's always chasing after the applause or the acceptance from others. Oh, totally. I mean, for me, it was a big, it was the start of my career was definitely trying to find, to seek acceptance. And now it's like, we're not alone in our aloneness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, it wasn't until I came across, um, I was on some medication for my anxiety for a really long time. I was on Lexapro. What were you? Were you? I was on Klonopin, which is crazy because it's sexier and deeper. It's what more intense. It's what Kurt Cobain was addicted to. And a lot of people are really addicted to (gasps) Mm -hmm. it. It's, it's a crazy drug. I mean, it's kind of nuts that, that I was really even on it, but, um, I, when I was in my late twenties, I then came across meditation and, um, found a path that really has changed. It's been life changing for me. Do you think that Clonopin, um, what did you notice a difference? Like with Lexapro, it was great because I was able to, I didn't even know how dark it was until I took the medication to sort of help me get out of it. Oh yeah. So then I was able to see like, oh, this is what it's like not being terrified to leave my house at night. And and then and then I got off it and I'm so glad I got off it because when I went through withdrawal, I was like, I don't want to be on anything that gives me yeah. withdrawal. But again, I should say to the listeners, this is for anxiety, not for depression, because I have a lot of friends who are, you know, seriously depressed. And if they go off their medication, you know, it doesn't matter if you're yeah. on a gluten-free diet or whatever bullshit everyone's trying to sell. Like sometimes people, they need to, you know, depression is like so, uh, such a delicate topic. Yeah. I, and I've, I have had horrific 
depression yeah. as well. Did, I went, you, did you feel like that, that it helped you see the light? Uh, no. Klon- well, I was on clonopin for the anxiety, and that actually numbed me out. I didn't yeah. like it at all. I, I felt like I had no emotions. And then I got off of it, and then I had somebody screw with my thyroid, which oh, sent God. me into a, a, a depressive downward spiral. And I, I never actually thought about um, killing myself, but I have to say that I do, in that time, I did understand why people do mm-hmm. i i got to a place where i i just couldn't bear the thought of waking up another day and doing it all over again because it was yeah. so it was so dark it was it wasn't like i i used to always say like what is what are people so sad about it's not that mm-hmm. it's the absence of any feeling there's nothing there it's just and like for me it was so so achy the, now i'm talking about my depression it's like the flu it feels like the flu to me like it's like such an oh ache. an ache like yeah it's I mean, not I, total numbness for me. It's like an, it's like the flu, and you can't snap out of it. And it's like this. It's oh, it's that that not being able to snap out of it. I think is the scariest part. And then actually, I would get horrible anxiety because of my depression because I would be so depressed. I would then get anxiety, and that was an awful time of my life, a very dark period of my life. And um, I, you know, I, I don't. We went down a very dark road right now, but I, I think there's a lot of people out there that suffer from anxiety and depression, mental, mental health issues. And I, I just want to say to anybody who's struggling with that, there is absolutely a light at the end of the tunnel. The, the hardest part, I think, is when you are at the bottom of the barrel is even believing that there is a place where you will not feel this anymore. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting in that place. Um, and I still have anxiety a little bit every now and then. I have issues with it. I actually had a little bit on our, on our trip, I think, because I was eating really poorly and I was um, – you know, just not, I wasn't exercising. I wasn't doing any of those things, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, if you're in a place and you're not getting help, just reach out. That's, it's the hardest step. Um, but it is the most important step. It is so hard too, though, because some of us, like I, when I'm really down, I do not like, it's like, I don't want help. Like, I don't want to feel better. I don't want to hug. Yeah. It's a weird, seductive thing that you that's very hard to shake off. It's possible. Yeah. And and obviously in going to therapy really helps and um you know, medication if you need it helps for some people. Yeah. Um and and then yeah, and then meditation in these different ways cuz you you realize that you you I've realized that I am when I'm in a good place, like there's maintenance, okay? Yeah. Like I need to do certain things so that I can stay in this happier realm. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think too, you know, it was interesting when I met Michael, my husband. Um, he was horrifically depressed, um, and I, he's very open about this on his program with Dr. Drew. Uh, he talks about it, and you know, was a was a um, alcoholic and a drug addict, and uh, was sober already for almost ten years when I met him, um, but was still suffering with from great depression, uh, probably the worst I've ever experienced with somebody, and. Um, you know, I just kept pushing him. I believed so much in his in his ability to have a good life, and to, and I think it was very hard for me to see what a fantastic human being he was, and to realize that he didn't see any of that himself. Um, and that's probably were, also what people thought when they saw you in college. Like, what a fantastic girl! Oh well, <laughs> and, and you know what I mean. And yeah. she doesn't. You know, sometimes. Yeah, we, I mean, my mine was a little different, though. I mean, my, I don't think I had so much. Like Mike really, really had self-loathing, whereas mm-hmm. mine was, um, I think my anxiety, my anxiety seemed a little detached from actually the feelings that I had for myself. But that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing. But he, anyway, he he has worked his butt off, and I, you know, and and part of it I think was having somebody who really believed in him, and and I know I just kept pushing him, and I know it drove him nuts sometimes. But I just kept sending him to different people, like mm-hmm. go see this person, go see this person, and none of it worked. Um, you know, it all kind of helped bolster him a little mm-hmm. bit. And then he finally found somebody that really made a difference for him. And, you know, it's incredible, the change. Um, uh, having a child also did did wonders, but it also brought a lot of it up, yep. you know. And I, I think that's a huge thing. It's like people don't understand when they become a parent, it brings up all their old shit. It, it, it's like living through through that stuff again, especially if you've been abused as a child, you know, if you've had any sort of neglect or abuse. Um, but, you know, just know you're not alone and no. uh, and that that it's like, you know, waking yourself up from like a deep sleep 
in the morning. Yeah. It's like you just got to pull yourself out and and reach out, go online, research, ask friends yeah. if they know of someone you can talk to because having an ally in it is is the most important thing I think for the initial the initial step of moving on. But um yeah, so uh, I don't know how that relates <laughs> to no. I mean, what? well, I'll say the first year also of having a baby. I mean, hormonally, there's so many changes, right? And then all the old stuff comes up. All the ghosts in the nursery come up mm-hmm. from your own childhood, and then and then your relationship with your spouse changes, and then they feel all this. Or at least in my home, my husband feels so much more pressure with work Mm -hmm. to get, and it's weird because we haven't put it on him, but there's something biologically that I think shifted with him where it's like, I have a child, I must provide. So it's, he's, you know, work has gotten so much more intense at the same time that we have this little being to take care of and then making sure there's time for us as a couple. I mean, it makes, I mean, I feel like the first year, people always talk about the first year of marriage being difficult. I think, I mean, you're doing both at the same time. The first year of having a child is like so intense with a relationship. Yeah. Um, well, Dr. Drew said that I don't know if he said that on our joint podcast, but he also has said it a bunch of times when I've been on the show is the hardest part of marriage are the child rearing years. It's it's just the focus changes. It it mm-hmm. turns to each other. You know, I had a really interesting experience on um our trip, on our vacation. Um because you know, I, I'm I, I like to think of myself as a pretty easygoing person, but I can get really irritable and um, and just I, I'm just a neurotic person. <laughs> um, I have a lot of you know I, I think somebody who's struggled with anxiety their whole life. You just there's you need things to be a certain way. Yes. You you have the the way that you need things. For me, one of them is food. Like wow. I have to have I have to eat small little meals, and if I don't. Um, if I don't eat something, I'm not hypoglycemic, but I'll start to feel like my right. blood sugar level is plummeting and I get all crazy and weird. And uh-huh. Mike loves to tell funny stories about when I'm scavenging the car to try and find nuts somewhere. Um, and um, But I was I was kind of witnessing myself um, when I was getting irritable because, you know, with a child, vacation is a whole new thing and you've got to figure out, first of all, the travel of like – all the all the crap that you need the car seat the the all of this stuff and then you know every place you go it's a new reconfiguration of nap time and what are we how how are we getting this nap down or how are we getting her to be you know fed or whatever it is and um so the first couple days I found myself losing my patience with Mike a lot Mm -hmm. and I found myself um like snapping at him and I, I every time it happened like I would feel gross I just like afterwards I'd be like why did I snap snow quickly at him, you know? And I started paying attention to the way that I would get mad at him if he did something. But then Mm -hmm. if I did something that same way, he didn't get mad at me. Mm -hmm. And I just felt really hypocritical because it was like, oh, it's okay for me to do it. But then when he doesn't, when he does those things and I get, you know, so then I started watching how he dealt with me when I would Mm -hmm. do those things. And it was so patient and just like kind and I kind of made a vow to myself that like every time that something came up where I wanted to snap or be bitchy about it, I just was going to take a second before I said something. And um, and I started saying like, hey, babe, I know you're trying to help, but can I, you just let me do this this way, you know, mm-hmm. or, or oh, I get it. I, I see what you're trying to do, but I just I, I'd like to do it this way mm-hmm. if possible. And it changed the dynamic of the vacation so much, made me feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was crazy is we started witnessing, uh, and I didn't even talk to Mike about this. I was just kind of doing it on my own, but then we had a couple instances where we observed other couples like being really awful to each other. Yeah. And I was like, people speak so horribly to each other and in front of their children. Ugh. And I think like, you're just showing them that it's okay. Um, no. they to treat their each other this way and they pick up on everything everything and I, and I thought that I had was that you know we're all just trying to do the best that we freaking can you know and I and I get like everybody loses their temper and everyone has a rough day you know we all go through that but like this is your partner and this is the person that like you're doing this together and it doesn't serve anybody to get shitty to each other um, no I mean some men do need to step up 
more. Yeah. Yeah. Some, I mean, I'm. Uh, this is no. Not you're right. In our particular instances, but sometimes some men do need a reality check. But but here's the thing that I realized. Yes, some men need a reality check, but also some men don't step up because of the way that we speak to them. Oh yeah, like, they're scared shitless that I'm going to bite their head off. His my because th- I have seven husbands. That's why I said their <laughs> their heads off. They're all over the the, the country actually. <laughs> um, but no, it's true. Because there are times when Adam's scared to help because he's just like, I don't know what to do without you having a reaction. Okay. And so maybe one of my New Year's resolutions should be to be less reactionary. Right. And okay. And here's like a little thing that somebody told me, all right? A little mm-hmm. birdie friend of mine. And it's huge. It's going to take some digestion. But if you can do it, don't let Adam listen to this podcast, okay? Okay. Okay. Well, he, he only gets through the first 15 minutes. Of the <laughs> okay, so he's long gone. Yeah. Um, okay, so women, listen to me here. Now, if you are married, um, this is what you're going to do with your husband, and you can't tell him that this is what you're doing, all right? You're going to get a bikini wax. <laughs> that too. Um, <laughs> there, there are three very important words here, okay? Courage, faith, and surrender. All right. Courage is the courage to approach every single request as it is as if it is the first time you are asking it. So even though he hasn't shut the freaking cupboard doors 20 times in the last 20 days, you're still going to ask him like it's the very first time that you've asked him, can you please shut the cupboards? I'm not using personal examples or anything. <laughs> um, or, you know, whatever it is. It's, you're going to ask it like, and, and no, and listen to yourself because even if you say like, you can say it like you think you're asking it the first time, but it's still like, can you please, that's, can you please shut the cupboard doors? That's still like, that's not asking like you. No, it's true. Okay. A few weeks ago, Adam and I were having a discussion and I, and he said to me, do you know the difference between asking and nagging? (laughs) And I said, yes, because I asked seven times before I nagged. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so I'll work on that. Yeah. So so the courage is to do, at, to do it every time like it's the first time. And just give yourself, give yourself permission. I feel like I'm just setting him up for failure, but okay. Okay. So then the faith, the faith is that he's going to eventually get it. But it may be. The example that the person who was telling me this, mm-hmm. my my dear my dear teacher, the birdie, said she's been asking her son for 16 years to put his napkin on his lap, and in 16, 16 years almost of the day, he finally did it himself. And she goes, but I've been asking like it's the first time every single time. Well, maybe that's the problem, though. Maybe it wouldn't have taken 16 years if she had just <laughs> shamed, if she had just shamed him. Uh, he would have <laughs> gotten it by the time he was seven. <laughs> Oh my okay, God. I'm listening though. Yeah, I am receptive. But so, but but here's the thing: it's like think about how it feels. Think about how it feels when you hear somebody say something and they're nagging. It no, sucks, no, and horrible. then it makes you want to not end up even with do my it. My mother's voice, like I say it in yeah. the same way. You like, don't. Are you? It's like this horrible tone of like, are you an effing moron? Mm-hmm. It's horrible. No, you should ask because tomorrow. It's a great way to look at life in general. Like if I think that, well, every time I do this, this sucks. Like, not necessarily. But also, yeah, because you're telling yourself a story that you're already having the expectation that they're not going to do it. And the chances exactly. are... And then, and then you set yourself up for failure that way, absolutely. too. And it's just, it's also about respect. It's also about living in, uh, you know, in a respectful relationship with another person in, in, a, in a communal relationship where you are trusting that the other person is an adult who can take care of themselves. And... The, f- the fact is, is that when you ask things and you're already asking it like they haven't done it, you're just making them feel mm-hmm. like shit, mm-hmm. you know? And and I they could be the biggest, slobbiest person on the face of the planet. It doesn't matter. You, you when you're in relationship with somebody, you've got to love everything about them. You've got to approach it as though you are honoring every part of that person, the good and the bad. This is what right. we're in sickness and in health, right? Yes. And... So the last part, the surrender, is to let it go. Have the courage to ask for it like it's the first time. Have the faith to trust that they're going to eventually get it and let it go. 
And I'm telling you, I've started to do a little bit of this and it's changed the dynamic of my relationship because I'm no longer like feeling crappy about myself because I feel like an angry person. Mm-hmm. And I can tell that he- You're not nagging. I'm not nagging. And I can tell that like he is respecting, I'm telling you, like on our vacation, I got the loveliest messages from him just telling me how I like changed around his life and how much mm-hmm. he loves me. And they were just out of the blue- I mean, Mike's like that anyway, but they came more often because I was really working on being a good person to him, loving him unconditionally, you know? And, and I feel like we have gotten to a place, especially in our generation where it's like you first, you treat me better first and then I'll treat you better. But what if you just tried to treat the other person better first, Mm -hmm. even if they maybe don't necessarily act like they deserve it Mm -hmm. all the time now? I love that. But so, and also it's like it's just giving your the space for a surprise because they might act differently. I mean that's the other thing. Like don't you think all the time kids behave a certain way because it's all they think like, well, I'm the black sheep of the family. This is what's expected of yeah, me. Absolutely. And and also, you know, they I think respond to a lack of connection with you. Um, you you know, you put distance between yourself and whoever, your kids, your husband, your relatives, when you already assume that you know the outcome of how this is going to play out. And the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is you don't. You no, know? but you can see sometimes like uh, my family loves to get in big arguments, my extended family, right? And you can almost see people sort of teeing it up. Like they're they're like getting revved up for yeah. the big blowout. Like you're just wait, like you, you know everyone's waiting for <laughs> someone to say something that can be misconstrued so that they can like storm off and leave. But that's also their story and their no, of issue. Course, that's and what I, I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying like that they, that you're almost looking for those disappointments sometimes. Right. Well, it's because it's how some people get their love. Some people realize they only feel loved when they manipulate other people to feel badly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyway, I just think... Or the big blow up and then you can hug and make up. Yeah. I mean, the the detention... And they're heard and Yeah. I mean, we're all crazy. We all have our... Isn't it great? Yes. (laughs) It is great. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I love it. There's never a dull moment. Um, I, I do stand by that nagging thing, though, man. When I asked seven, this was seven times in a row I asked. Yeah, you know the difference between nagging and asking. But when you're really honest with yourself, like how did you ask those first seven times? I asked in a nice way. I did. Ellie. I did. I When I asked in a nice a- way, it means I kind of check out and I just ask, like, I try to be not emotional about it. Yeah. Okay, but so like the first time you asked, how did you say it? I'm trying to remember. I, I I don't know. I think I said I'm trying to remember what it was about or, yeah. or there's so many examples. Point, I love that I black out too. That I, like I can't even I don't even know well, what makes, I'm nagging that, about. It makes That's me suspicious that you that you asked like it was the first time that you're all you know, that you're blacking it out. Because because here's the thing. I think we think we're being nice about it, but the fact of the matter is is you're already letting on that you're disappointed that he didn't do it the first right, time. Because the other thing is I've already not only have I asked seven times, but I've thought about it fifty more times before I even bring it up. But here's the other thing. Is it really that big of a deal? Like in the greater scheme of things? Like, this is what I, like, no. is it is it really that big of a deal if I walk in the kitchen and five of the cupboards are left wide open? It's not. No, it's not. It's an, is it annoying? Yes, but so what? There's a hundred more things that are not annoying and amazing that he does. Yes, that are, exactly. That's the thing. It's like I got to take yeah. into account more of that. And Adam is amazing and wonderful. By the way. You know what? I'm going to say that again, and I'm not going to say it dripping with sarcasm. Um, because he is amazing and wonderful. He's Aww. so amazing and wonderful. And that little voice was about like, you know, family history of whenever th- yeah. things are like when people are nice or good, you like say it in a sarcastic tone or something instead of just being like, yes, I am in so in love with my husband and he still has really good abs. And he's so hot. That's a, He's so hot and he's so talented and he's so funny and he's so good with Sabrina, even if he does steal the New Year's kiss. <laughs> With her. I really wanted her New Year's kiss. Did but he also get you an amazing Christmas gift? Yes. Um, Bianca gave him a fantastic idea. Um, it's this beautiful, two beautiful rings that say Sabrina Wells, because that's her first and middle name. And it's the most beautiful gift I could ever receive. Oh. I feel like I'm done. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I don't need any, nothing ever again. Like, that's it. Were I mean, you when, I have, when I have the next child, 
yeah. guess I could get you another get another one. one. But it was uh, it was so perfect. It's and um, I show it to people and they're excited about it, but yeah. I kind of want to sh- like shake them and be like, you don't get how perfect this is. Because they'll be like, that's really lovely. And I'm like, but you don't understand. This is my child's name and it's on my finger and I wear it where my wedding ring These are mine. And so perfect. Um, the, the rings that we're speaking of are Ivy Diamond Cole, a friend of mine. She does beautiful custom. Her middle name is Diamond? It's not her name. Oh. Her name is Lori. Okay. But she, her jewelry company, Ivan, Ivy Diamond Cole, we it's can put so that up. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. And she does custom um, custom name rings for any of you mamas out there need give good gift ideas. That's the other thing. You know, let's not expect that our men know what we want all the time. You got you to gotta give hints. You got to let them know. Oh God, don't get mad when you don't get what you want and you didn't tell him because guys are just stupid. And they're scared. They don't want to screw yeah. it up. Yeah. We, we really got to honor kind of the male beast as he is because this is <laughs> <laughs> male beast. The, the Neanderthals. Um, oh. I want to talk about something else. <laughs> Total hard. We're non-sequitur. gonna work on transitions. I don't know how to do it. It's fine. People don't care. I don't think. Mm, it's um, exciting. Shift, shift, shift. Shifts. Yes, here we go. Um, but I want to talk about. I want to talk about people in your life who don't have kids, um, and your relationship with them after you have kids. Mm-hmm. I have friends who um, who don't have children, and um, our relationships have changed since I had kids. Get it off your chest, girlfriend. Yeah. And then I saw an article, um, I think it was one of those BuzzFeed things. It's like the things that um, people with kids want you to know. I think Huffington Post. Was it Huffington Post? What was the title of it? I don't know. The thing that... I didn't write it, so I don't know. <laughs> I do write that. Anyway, it, it, was, it was what people with kids want their friends without kids to know. Yeah. And... Um, and and I have to say that like when before I had my child, I totally did this, some of these same things to my friends who had kids. It's just like you just don't get how hard it is. You don't get how time consuming and how little energy you have left at the end of the day for anything other than brushing your teeth, sometimes washing your face. And sometimes you really want to be alone when you have that if you have 30 minutes that you could be with a friend, sometimes you just want to walk alone. Or just, like, close your eyes and, like, space out. Like, yeah. I mean, I sometimes just want to sit and stare at some... That's why I watch the Kardashians sometimes, you guys. That's also why I hate texting. Well, yeah. I want to give you a moment with your Kardashians. Okay. So it's, that's- Mike gets so mad at me because he's like, it's the worst show and why do you watch it? And I'm like, because it's so brainless that I can just space out. And it makes me feel so much better about my own parenting. It probably, Yeah. It, it, and it's like, you know, what you watch, like, I like to look at their outfits and, like, yeah. some of the places they go and, like, you know, it's it's ridiculous. I, I totally agree. But, like, I just – sometimes I just want something that's bubblegum for my mind where I can just chew and not even think about it. It's our version of getting stoned. Totally. Exactly. I – also hate texting. Can I just share uh-huh. that? Yes. Because of the whole friend thing. I want to get a flip phone, I think. I'm so done with texting. I like it when um, when I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, and sometimes there are fantastic conversations that can happen through texting. Like really funny stuff happens between friends. But a lot of times it's interrupting something in my actual life. And then I'm out of the moment trying to figure out what, how to respond to the text instead of watching my child eat dryer sheets or something. You know, like it can be a dangerous distraction. It's a dangerous distraction. And sometimes I feel like it makes me feel brain dead to do it. Like yeah. when I – like I'm so sleep deprived right now. And then when I try to go to write a text, it's like even worse than speaking because it's like I have oh to God. think about – No, and then I'm worried about tone, Go getting back to tone. Like yeah. I worry about tone so much because that's why I have the time – like I'll just call Bianca. And like it's annoying because we're both really busy and she's really, really busy. And But I'll be like, I got to say this on the phone because if I, if I text it, it might not come across the right way and my intention isn't clear. And I'm just over texting, man, because and that goes back to the friendship thing. They don't get that we don't have time. And then the other thing is, uh, if I don't respond to a text immediately, I totally forget about it. And then someone's feelings will get hurt. Yeah, and I'll you know, seem like I'm blowing them off, which I am, but it's nothing personal. And you know what? I got I got tired of apologizing. I just I got so tired of apologizing for when I don't return a phone call or when I don't return a text, and I just stopped. I was like, I'm not going to apologize for it anymore. I'm just going to say. Um, 
hey, when I do have time and I can check in, just, you know, say, hey, I love you, would love to see you, let me know, you know, if we can make something happen or whatever. But I'm, st- I'm, I'm done saying, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you because the people who, who don't need it are the ones that, uh, that can stick around and stay around. Like yeah. you, I don't know if that made any sense what I just said, but, but like when you and I text each other, there's sometimes it's like a day and a half before yeah. one of us will get back to each other. I don't care because I get it. Yeah, I understand. I just don't know how to because I feel like with my friends who don't have kids, they just think I'm whining. Yeah, th- there's a. I remember being super annoyed listening to women with children talk about how I didn't get it, mm. and I remember thinking like, "That's such bullshit." These people are so full of themselves <laughs> that they think that like, oh, I like look at all the kids in the world. Like these people aren't that special that they're raising one. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I the real difference, it's just time, man. Like it's crazy. There is no time. time. There's no time. You don't get to the first few months, like, yes, when the baby's sleeping all the time, there's time to watch shows and catch up on shows or maybe catch up with each other if you're not too postpartum. But then later it's like there's no you don't have, there's there's not enough energy. Well, and then it just and then I just feel hurt. Like then I feel then I get hurt feelings because I I just think like if you were my friend, you would understand because the the fact of the matter is is that it's not like I'm not calling you because I don't like you. You know what I mean? I'm your friend. You know that I like you. This is this is an overall umbrella. I think even just for people even just for people in general, not just people who have kids or don't have kids. It's like if you're friends with someone, trust each other as friends. Know that yeah. if somebody doesn't call you back or doesn't invite you to something or doesn't play and you think that it's a personal attack, then you shouldn't be friends with that right. person. Because it's like their insecurity about whatever. You, when you just said that's funny because I had Sabrina's first birthday and I was I didn't put any photos up anywhere because I felt so bad about my friends that I didn't invite to her first birthday. And it's so crazy because I, I kept it to people who had children or a few girlfriends who were with me all the time who didn't have children but were basically like in the trenches with me. Yeah. But I felt bad that I didn't invite my friends that weren't that didn't have kids, but I did not explain like these kids there's too many people in our little home. No. Like it's like it's overstimulation for the child and like this isn't about our friendship. It's like it's about my child's birthday. But the fact that I didn't put up photos because I was worried about those people's feelings being hurt, like it's yeah. kind of nutty. Well, and the other thing is that I feel like because of texting and how much we rely on like, you know, short terms of or, or forms of communication, that it also, if you're so offended that I didn't get back to you or, you know, I don't have time for you. Tell it to my face, you know, or, or write an email. She can't get a hold of you. That's the problem. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, right. But, but I mean, when, then eventually when we do talk, yes. yeah. like, say, it really right. bothers me that you didn't do this. And then I can explain myself. But, like, I have people who just won't call me back. And it's like, oh, okay, now you're doing what I did to you. And it's become a high school game of, oh, you know what or I mean? Or are they just actually busy? Well, that's fine too if you're actually busy. Right. But but like with but some, but with one you, of them, like I know, though. you know when it's like a, a or, or they say things thing. to other friends or yeah, yeah, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. Well, she's too big for her britches. She's got a show. <laughs> she's got a kid. She's, she's got a podcast. She's a fancy, Did you hear? fancy lady. <laughs> she's a fancy lady. <laughs> I think maybe okay. Here, maybe the solution is we have sort of like a terror alert system between friends. So if you have something going on in your life that's bad. Like, I need to be there. But sometimes I don't know that. You know, like maybe your friend reaching out doesn't know that you know, maybe something serious is going on in her life, but she feels like you guys aren't connected, so she can't share that with you. That would be my fear in sort of being like, oh, I and need I, time. And listen, I have people like that all the time where it's like, it's not like I, it's not like I immediately go to the fact of, um, if somebody doesn't get, because that would be hypocritical. No. If someone doesn't get back to me, like, Oh, no, and that's not what I'm not. I'm saying that if sometimes when people are reaching out and they're like, you're blowing me off, you're blowing me off, something, something serious is going on in their life that they need to share. So we should all make a pact as friends. Like, just look, we don't have time. So just put it out there. If something's bad is going on in your life, I will 100% be there for you. Just let me know so that I can make that my priority over everything else. If you're just like, 
wanting to talk about how you just discovered The Wire on Netflix, like, we can probably postpone that conversation until <laughs> my daughter's potty trained. Yes. <laughs> but, I, but I think the overall effect of what I'm saying is just that let's be better friends to yes. each other. Like, let's not hold each other to the standards of if, I mean, I, and that, I guess, was what, the point that I was making earlier, is if you truly believe in your friendship with people, understand that everyone goes through their stuff and if somebody doesn't get back to you it's not a comment on your friendship like we get right. we take things so personally it's totally. like you immediately get offended you immediately um you know take it so personally and feel hurt by it but the fact of the matter is is like with my friends i have a girlfriend who i've known for since high school sometimes we go six months without talking mm -hmm. to each other and when we talk we pick up where we left off. Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful. Best. And I'm I maybe maybe part of my new year's resolution is to make sure that the people that I keep around in my life are the ones like that where it's like it's just such an honest open way of living and giving, right? It's like we all have crazy stuff going on. Everybody has, you know, drama, everybody has so things and as parents, it's just nuts. You're devoting so much like 100% of what you had to give towards work and yourself and friends is now going to this little person. Yeah. The priorities are, for me, my baby, my husband, what, my health. Yeah. Friends and work kind of like compete. Yeah. And and if it does, and if it but, does. And I'm lucky that work it doesn't have to be the number one thing for me. But if anyone's hiring, I am a bit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, anyway, I just, uh, you know, look, I, I am not saying that I didn't do the exact same thing when I was a irresponsible person without a child. Mm -hmm. Now I'm an irresponsible person with a child. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I think for the sake of our podcast and just talking about the things that get to us, it's like, I just... I just want everyone to love each other yeah. and be more understanding. Maybe we could have a day that's like for our, like a single friend day or something. Like we're just one day every two months. Just text, like reach, but like reach out to that friend and or like send them a picture of like when you guys used to have awesome times together. Like I, I could do a better job of that because I do have friends that are single who are without children. They bend over backwards for me. Like they'll do brunch at 7.45 in the morning on Saturday. Like, that's an amazing friend. And she does that for me because Sabrina's got to get back for her nap time. Okay? And like, that's crazy. You like, know they what? do that all the time. I love too. where you're going with this. This is a great positive embracing the yeah. new year of let's not just talk about the people that don't get it. Let's talk about the people who do get it. Because yeah. there are those. And there are those people that, that are um, so loving and amazing. No, it's amazing. And, yeah. I mean, 7.45 breakfast on a Saturday if you're my girlfriend and you're doing that for me, Whitney yes. Anderson, like you are um, amazing. An angel. And I love you. An angel. They're so good. What do you? What is the thing that you miss the most about being a, a without child? Oh, God. What do we call ourselves when we're not parents? <laughs> oh, my God. Human beings. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> instead of just animals. We're animals now. Oh, God, what do I miss the most? Yeah. I miss travel. Yeah. I miss that a lot right now. Like, I miss being able to wander. Um, I miss... That's about it. I've been really good about reading. Like, I read so much more now, or I listen to books on Audible. Like, when I go to bed, I read more. I probably take better care of myself now than I did before. That's good. So that's been a positive shift. But I miss I miss wandering... I miss feeling, and this is going to sound really bad, but I miss feeling like it was just me. Like I, when I was on my vacation and I went and laid by the pool, I was thinking like I never feel alone anymore. And I don't mean that in like the bad sense of the word, like mm -hmm. like lonely. I miss feeling like I could escape into myself mm -hmm. because I feel like now – whether it be I go to the pool or I'm here doing this podcast, like in the back of my head, there's always this running, whirring noise of, is Magnolia okay? Yeah. Was she needing something? Is this happening? Uh, I hope that, you know, I'm going to make it home in time to feed right. her. Is this like that, that noise, that static, I'm, I miss not having that. I obviously 
love the reason why it's there, but that that buzzing sound is hard for me. It's very hard. The worry. The worry. Yeah. My great aunt Ida, who is 103 and still living, uh, when I told her that I was pregnant, um, she said, you'll never not worry again. (laughs) I know. It kind of like puts like your mom, it helps you understand your mom a little bit better, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I mean, some of us have worries before... I was worrying when I was five years old. And I think my mother was too. Yeah, so. but but it's different. Like I worried but about yes. things too, it, but it, it wasn't as connected to my gut as in like if something's wrong, my life could end. Yeah. Like I feel like if something happened to her, oh, I yeah. like before this, it was always like, I mean, even when my dad died, mm-hmm. I was devastated, but I knew life would go on. If mm-hmm. something happened to Magnolia, I don't know that life would go mm-hmm. on. I mean... I don't even want to talk about it. No, I know. Yeah. I know. It's so big. It's like I, I didn't – she's she's just everything. She's everything. This like spitfire, crazy-ass little girl is my everything. Mm-hmm. And that's like so awesome and it's scary, especially yeah. because you can't protect her. And, um, and I don't want to protect – you know, like I want her to feel – Right. Uh, my big thing with parenting her is like not projecting like my fear or anxiety onto her. And so being present with her, I'm very confident when I'm with her. Yeah. And, um, and I let her do, she falls on her face all the time and it's fine. Yeah. I don't flinch cause she'll pick up on my flinch, you know? She's, yeah. And that's made her a terror. It's great. <laughs> Gosh, guys, sorry. We kind of went down. I'm into- not apologizing. <laughs> I'm not. You're right. Damn it. I I'm think, not sorry. I, I think it's, that's one of my resolutions. Maybe I'm it should not, be for everyone. I'm let's not stop, sorry. Stop. Not, I'm not sorry that I'm not sorry. <laughs> should I do my uh, my mom bomb, or you do your mom session? Yeah, I Are can we, do my. Uh, yeah, I'll do my mom session. Um, my mom session um, kind of came to light over the holidays, where I realized, like, no matter what fancy toys I I buy, um, Magnolia always just wants. The plain old everyday items. Mm-hmm. So my mom's session is is becoming your own inventor of fun household items. So good. It's so good. Go everyone go on Pinterest yeah. and look this stuff up. There are crazy things you can do. Yeah, and even sometimes it's not even that crazy. Like the other day I was so flustered and I was just trying to get something done and she was like all over the place and I just went we have these metal measuring cups and mm-hmm. I just stacked them in a stack and I gave them to her and yeah. I mean no joke, 20 minutes went by. She did not make a piece. Isn't that amazing? It's so great. Yesterday yeah. I, um, well, I'm, some parents would actually like make cookies with your child. Instead, I put a bowl with flour and water and let her knead it. And we <gasps> pretended like we were making cookies because I was, I didn't want to deal with the eggs and stuff. But anyway, but yeah, flour and water, come on. Like yeah. that was my lazy ass version of Play-Doh. Yeah. It was great. It's starting to become my new favorite thing. Like I, like I feel like I'm the MacGyver of parents where it's like I look around the room. It's like what could I use that could come together that would actually, yeah. you know, hold her attention. And um, it's fun. It's, it's a fun game for me to play too. It makes me feel, um, you know, uh, I don't know, smart. <laughs> and you find the special uh, out of the ordinary or something like that. Yeah. You know, like measuring cups, you have them. And they're a great learning tool too. Yeah, that's a good idea for Pinterest. What's your mom bomb? Oh my God. Okay, so a few years ago, I did a seven day and night silent meditation retreat at a place called Spirit Rock. Um, really freaked out my mom. She thought I was joining a cult. And uh, I mean, with a name like Spirit Rock, I don't blame her. But it's a lovely place in Northern California. And I follow them on Facebook. And they had a quote. uh, And then from that, I'll give you the mom bomb. So the quote is, though, um, all conditioned things are impermanent. Their nature is to arise and pass away. To live in harmony with this truth brings the highest happiness. And then they've got this great photo and it's a sign that's painted, and this is the mambam. It's until further notice, celebrate everything. Oh, Ellie, that kind of makes me want to cry. Oh, do it. Just do it. Let it out. That's really gorgeous. I love that. Until further, until further notice, download Atomic Moms <laughs> and celebrate everything. 
Because everything is, everything is, everything is awesome. <laughs> oh, I like your voice. In the meantime, guys, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, and rock on, Atomic Moms. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.